0: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the
1: business of lifestyle.
2: My name's Dean Jones, um, and I'm from Glam Corner. One of the things I really love about uh, providing amazing online experiences for customers is that you're really providing something that someone is looking for at a time that's convenient for them, and ideally in such a way that that allows them to mould the product and the service to suit them best and I think when you've done that a lot of the hard work is done in terms of um, convincing that person to come back again and again in the future. So I think it's a really important investment for a lot of customers uh, or a lot of companies to make.
3: My name's Joske Hall. I'm the managing director of Zenui. We're an online retailer of furniture and homewares and one thing I love about retail technology at the moment is the ability to test and experiment at speed so that you can create a personalized experience for your customers that constantly improves and evolves.
0: Welcome everybody to another episode of fashion is your business. I am Pub and Ball, and I am at online retailer Sydney along with Nora Network. Uh, we have built out a quite a magnificent little podcast studio over here on the floor. Um, and I must say I'm missing my co-host uh, Rob and Mark very, very much. Uh, but I am over here enjoying Sydney all what it's about and uh, about to get into this online retailer program this is actually our first first uh, recording over here and uh, it's gonna be a good one
2: this episode was recorded in Australia and is presented by fluent commerce the leader in smart cloud native omni-channel order management
1: at fluentcommerce.com <music> You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, powered by Sennheiser and recorded on location with Pavan Ball, Rob Sanchez, and Mark Reiko. And now, here are your hosts. We have Yosuke Hall,
0: the managing director of Zanui. It's an Australian online retailer for furniture and home goods. And we have Dean Jones as well. Of Glam Corner, which rents out women's designer apparel. Gentlemen, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks very much. Pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, such a pleasure to have you guys. And why don't we start with Yosuke? Why don't we give a brief description of who you are and what you do over at Zenoi? Or what's the noise all about?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So we, we are an Australian uh, retailer of furniture and homewares. We're a pure play online business. At the moment, we range over 50,000 SKUs and we deliver those products all over Australia. So everything from small items like tableware, spoons, cutlery, all the way up to your big modular sofas. Great. And uh, Glam
2: Corner is Australia's largest uh, online fashion rental business, um, mainly in uh, designer women's apparel. So all those events are throughout the year where custom, our customers would have typically purchased an item and only worn it once, instead they can borrow it from us and just give it back when they're done and effectively just pay for what they're gonna use. Now to give some
0: reference points for uh, those that are listening in, in North America, UK, and other where, um, is the best way to align is something like a Wayfair for you, Zanui? Um, yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, very all similar right, cool. to Wayfair. And Dean, maybe like a Rent the Runway? Is oh, that...
2: absolutely, like Rent the Runway. Yes. Okay,
0: got it. Now, one thing that correlates pretty well between the two of you guys is um, now, of course, very different products that you're selling, but it's the attention to customer experience that you both have in whether it's the, the touch points from the website and then all the way to the delivery of the product. Can you, can you kind of go through maybe... Um, a little bit of like why customer experience is at the core of what you're both
3: doing? Mm.
2: Yeah, you me,
3: you yeah. So so for us um, shopping for furniture and homewares online in Australia is a relatively new thing so that customer mm. experience so a lot of our customers are not only first-time shoppers with us but first-time shoppers for our products um, you know our, our vertical um, and so that first-time experience will You know, is very important for them because if they have a poor first experience, then they're going to, you know, be trigger shy the next time that they want to make a purchase in our industry, in our vertical. So that first experience is extremely important because, you know, it's an industry where traditionally you've gone to a, a mall or a brick and mortar retailer. You, you know, sit on a couch or a chair, you try it out, and and then you make your selection. Whereas now there's that element of risk because you're purchasing online, you haven't been able to touch and feel it. We try and provide as much content to, to reduce that risk for our customers as possible. But then that post-purchase experience is incredibly important because if they have a smooth experience, it's delivered nicely, put into their room and set up, the customer's going to love it.
0: And it's so important for you uh, more than anything that you could, I mean, that you could deliver a personalized experience or like be able to see the textures and things like that because, I mean, as you mentioned, like, It's furniture, right? You want to be able to sit in it. I'm sitting in a chair right now. It's hard to understand how it's going to feel unless until it's in your home. So how are you mitigating some of those concerns around the purchase?
3: Absolutely. So one other thing we offer is we offer a 30-day change of mind return policy. Mm -hmm. So for any customer that's not happy because, you know, the color didn't quite suit their decor or the feel wasn't quite right, they can just return it to us, um, you know, within the 30 days and full refund or store credit up to them. Yeah. Got it. And then
2: over to you, Dean. Um, How are you thinking about customer experience within... uh, Yeah, um, in in a similar way, we were introducing to our market what was, until we came along, a very novel way to consume fashion and apparel. So we had no choice but to, from very early on, really invest in our customer experience because it wasn't just regular online retail. The best way to describe what we had to build was a mix between... Traditional online retailing, something that's very familiar to most customers. And sorta like a hotel bookings or travel bookings engine behind it. And to 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 sync those two things in a really pleasant and familiar way to customers. Um without it seeming too new and too foreign that it's you know too much of an ask to get them to try it. Um so from really early on we had to be really disciplined about what we designed, how we tested it, um and to to be focused on what is still familiar to our customers and make sure we really surface that and don't ignore that, but while also really thinking hard about the kind of features, like, like our calendar booking engine. Our customers, they rent their items for four days or eight days. Mm. Um, we actually just introduced 15-day and 30-day rental periods for different types of clothing. Um, and d- the way we designed and tested that was very new to our customers, so we had to be really uh, deliberate about how we introduce it to them to make it a great experience so they, they do it and they tell their friends about how easy it is. When you were first developing the concept
0: and kind of rolling out, um, what were, you th- were you thinking more on the
2: supply chain side of things or were you thinking about the front-end UX? I'd love to tell you we only focused on one. We had to focus on both simultaneously. On the supply chain side, it was making sure we could secu- secure underlying just great products and great merchandise that the customers would want to borrow. And it could go the distance in terms of being rented 20, 30 times and still look as good as new. Designer apparel. It's very easy to achieve that in. Um, so we had to focus a lot of time and attention on that. And that was hard, especially for an, yeah. any, I think any a, a, online retailer, but particularly in designer women's apparel, yeah, you've really got to kick a lot of doors down. And for a long time, you get a lot of no's because it's, it's new to the supplier too, how consumers want mm-hmm. ch- to experience fashion in that way. Are you owning the inventory yourself? Or... Absolutely. Okay, exactly. Got so it, we got... buy it direct from the labels. Um, but that supply side was hard, kind of like with Spotify. It took Spotify a long time. To convince artists that it's a great way to introduce what you're producing to a different audience, because that's how they just want to. Yeah, consume I mean, the music. brand values everything, especially when you're working with uh, luxury
0: goods or you know whatever it may be. It's uh, th- those price points. The brand itself is so concerned about the depreciation of yeah. uh, of their uh, their public facing
2: appearance. Absolutely, and that's where it, ta- it took, especially on the front end, not only to design a customer experience that looked like a high end. Online retailing experience, everything from the fonts and colors you use right down to how the products, their products are displayed, because they take that really seriously. So uh, it's kind of to answer your question, those two things we looked at together they weren't necessarily separate. We 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 needed to convince new labels that we were going to make their products look amazing, and introduce them to a market that aspires to wear that brand but has not yet decided to dip their toe into water because of the the retail price point. Mm -hmm. But if you if you kind of let them sample it. By renting it, suddenly you've introduced that brand to that customer when
3: they otherwise would not have discovered that brand. Yosuke, um, Are you messing with AR at all? AR, uh, we've we've played uh, with a few suppliers that have products out there. Nothing, nothing official, nothing released. And you know, uh, I mean, how, do, how are you thinking about it? you? Ha- you must be thinking about it right now. I oh, mean, uh, absolutely. And I think you know, as, as I mentioned before, one of the key. Um, Difficulties of being an online retailer is how do you get that touch and feel experience into yep. the hands of a customer? And this is this is an area where AR has a pretty good answer to that. You know, you still can't touch and feel it, but if you can hold and up can an iPad exactly what it'll and look see like exactly how it's going to look in your home, you can place it with a few other items. You can really coordinate your decor. Um, you know, that's a very very powerful feature, especially for the home because everybody's home is different. You know, it's 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 a real individual. Um, you know, persona that's displayed in a home. So, people need to be able to experiment with what's going to work. And you know, bringing in five sofas over the course of a week is not really practical. <laughs> but if you can hold up an iPad and see what the five different sofas look like and make your make an educated selection like that, it makes a huge difference. For sure. So, where are you in that process right now? We're still we're still in the experimentation phase. Have you found anything here uh, locally that's interesting? Or? There's there's some great products and great companies. Um, I won't mention them by name just yet. But I think our trouble at the moment is the cost of producing one 3D render is still relatively high. So when we have a range of 50,000 products, then we're forced to answer the question of what's Mm -hmm. a good customer experience. If we're not able to provide, you know, 50,000 renders of products, you know, is having, uh, you know, a sub selection of that a good experience? So if if customers Mm -hmm. can only choose from 1000 or 2000, is that enough? to provide a good value for the customer. And that's kind of one of those internal questions we're grappling with at the moment. Well, how, how are you both
0: thinking about product selection overall? So I know, um, you know, uh, Yosuke, your, your company, you said 50,000 SKUs. A lot of it is in the home decor side of things also um, versus pure-based furniture. And I'm wondering how, um, how you're thinking about customized selections um, on your web portal and then same with, uh, with the
3: dress selections and the outfitting and things like that. So we've started doing a lot of segmenting of our audiences. So we, we're we starting to try and monitor certain behaviors that will indicate certain customer personas. And then based on that persona, we're trying to deliver product recommendations and personalizations that would suit that character. Um, so one obvious example is, you know, if we have customers that we see are sorting our catalog by price regularly, you know, in the product recommendations, we'll skew towards showing them products that are currently on sale or, or, or great value. Um, the other side is, you know, customers that have come back regularly, we'll show them personalized uh, product recommendations based on their kind of affinity and past purchases and past views and ads to carts. So, you know, it's still, you know, there's still a long way to go. And I think, you know, personalization is, is a bit of a rabbit hole in terms of what you can do. But I think we're, you know, taking these first initial steps to, pr- to create what is a better experience for all our browsers, customers. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. I think especially on the product recommendation engine side, it's a good example where personalization in terms of execution, you can set up a product recommendation engine and it can be data-driven, algorithmically driven. But And we've done, we've done that too, and we're at a similar stage where we've experimented with it, but we're the first ones to admit, and our merchandising team are the first ones to admit, it's far from perfect, as in if a particular SKU had just an algorithmically driven product engine, rec- product recommendation behind it, that it could recommend a, a suite of similar products or complementary products to that one SKU better than one of our stylists could. There's only been a few instances where that's been the case. So so far, like we've done it, which we try mm-hmm. it, but it's still nowhere near done because it works. But is it working better than, you know, a human could have picked the the, the slam dunk set of complementary products just from merchandising 101 perspective? We're not there. We have found we're not there yet. We can build the engine. We can build the data can build the infrastructure and the algorithms, to get those algorithms to work better, we're still, I, f- I find we're a long way from that. That's interesting, like, it, when,
0: when I talk to the US side of things, I mean, we have, there's a ton of different, like, styling, um, kind of, uh, outfitting, sorry, outfitting technologies, like a Stylelytics. Yes. And do those exist
2: here as well in Australia, or? They do, um, in various forms, um, but they're, they're, and again, I won't, there's a the whole bunch sort of popping up in our market. Um, but the one, the common factor amongst all of them that you need to have your act together is your data infrastructure. So from your data, how are you capturing the data and how you're organizing it so that those particular tools can draw that information to do a good job. What's interesting is when I, when I hear from people who are building those exact products, one of the biggest barriers they're hitting is they come up ag- against a lot of excellent potential clients who just, the, the data they either don't have or they got too much data and it's not organized that these, these tools won't learn and adapt and predict the way they were designed to initially. Great. Right. We're going to take a quick
0: break, and when we come back, there's going to be more with
2: Yosuke and Dean, and we're going to talk,
0: continue our talk about customer experience and the different touch points that they have with their consumer to drive sales.
2: Fluent Commerce
1: is the leader in smart cloud-native omni-channel order management. They help businesses be faster and more convenient to shop with by giving them a single view of their inventory across all channels and the ability to automatically route orders to distribution centers or store locations depending on stock location, customer proximity, and shipping rates. Clients include Woolworths, Samsung, French Connection, JD Sports, Topshop, and many more. Find out more at FluentCommerce.com. You can follow Fashion Is Your Business on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available at FashionIsYourBusiness.com and listen and subscribe wherever the best podcasts are found.
0: curious to hear about how you're engaging now with the customer uh, post-transaction or even if there is no transaction. So if there was engagement on the website and there's an abandoned cart situation, how now is the company going there and providing value so that there's
3: multiple touch points with the brand? And I'll start with you, Yosuke. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the key thing to understand is anytime a customer visits your site, that they have some level of interest in what you're providing. So I think you know, it's important to find ways to stay front of mind with them through that course of that journey. So for furniture and homewares, for example, the purchasing decision can be quite long. Like, you know, if you're going to buy a new sofa for your home or a new nice piece of furniture, usually you require some consultation with your family, your, you know, your partner, your significant other, um, usually a big ticket item. So, you know, there's some planning involved. And so just because they visited our site, doesn't mean they're going to purchase immediately. That purchase could come one week, two week, or even four weeks later. So we do look at ways to keep in contact with our customer through that journey. And that's through a range of different ways. Um, You know, the most obvious ones are obviously we have a a newsletter database where customers can subscribe to, they'll get shown targeted and personalized offers and, you know, kept in touch with what we believe the trends and styles are uh, coming up. Um, The slightly more technical ways to keep in touch are obviously retargeting tools. So, you know, you can have cookies on your site that are delivered by, you know, companies such as Facebook and others that then know when that customer is logged into other websites. And then you can kind of communicate with them once again with another targeted message there. Um, And then there's also, you know, during that behavior. So if a customer has signed up to our, our newsletter database and hasn't made a purchase for 30 or 60 days, then that's kind of a good trigger to to try and talk to that customer and try and understand where they are in that purchase journey because they, they did make a touch point with you. How often point? is your customer rebuying or coming back
0: to the site to purchase?
3: So in terms of returning visitors, uh, you know, there's a fair few returning visitors. So you're looking at like 30 to 40 percent and, and returning purchases are, are roughly 30 percent. However, with our product in our vertical, the, the speed of that repurchase is, is, is lower than most other industries. I mean of course fa- fashion you can you can see people purchasing, you know, monthly or even weekly. Mm-hmm. Whereas furniture you're kinda of looking at, you know, larger purchases less frequently. So, you know, we have to understand that and then also Depending on if they're looking at furniture or homewares, it's very different as well. So, you know, furniture is a much more considered purchase, whereas some people might be updating their look by buying a few new cushions or throws or a little piece of wall art, which is a bit more of an impulse purchase.
1: Yeah. You know, to,
0: have you thought about rental?
3: So, I mean, to kind of cross-pollinate
0: <laughs> this conversation a little bit, but I mean, like, you know, if, if you're talking about developers, you know, um, commercial retail or even uh, residential property developments... Like there's a lot of staging that goes
3: involved. Have you thought about rental markets for your products? We, we haven't thought about it in depth, and uh, I, th- I think Dean's got a great business on the fashion side <laughs> and, and being able to do that. I think for us, the, the big difficulty is the, the shipping back and forth. Um, you know, being in Australia, we're a, a very large country with a fairly disparate population, so you know, the bulkier the items become, the more expensive it is, it is to move it back and forth. But I think, I think you're right. I think there's definitely a, yeah. a market in there. I know in the in the real estate market, property styling is, is huge in Australia, um, and they, they work on a rental model. Yeah, how how much is a
0: return affecting your uh, your uh,
3: your margin? So our return rate is is relatively low, so so we're able to to manage that fairly well. Um, that said, you know when products get returned. Depending on where it's coming from, will impact whether. Is it like
0: every time that happens, it's like someone that just like sticks you with a pole?
3: <laughs> like it, do, it does hurt. Yeah. It does hurt. Um, what What hurts the most is when it arrives back in a condition that's just not saleable. Yeah. So yeah. you know, there's there's a lot of you know. Whilst the return rate is low, I'd say the amount of product that comes back of that returns. How we do you have guys both deal out.
0: with that product? <laughs> that just frankly, gets messed up and it's returned.
2: Like, how do you deal with that from a customer experience side or a service side? Absolutely, and it's key. I mean, you know, that the product quality is an underlying, you know, fundamental piece of your brand and what you're, what you're promising a customer in terms of experience. You don't even get too scientific about it. The product's got to be good. Um, we take that very seriously. For us as a rental business, we need, we, and from the very early days, we really had to um, be able to promise our customers that we can rent them an item as good as new every time. Yeah. Um, and with we, we discovered very quickly, actually, with designer apparel, when it's cleaned the right way, um, it can be clinically cleaner than if you bought it off the rack at a department store. Um, that's actually why we built our own in-house laundromat. So I'm not sure how you guys recondition your items, but because we have to for every single item, we have our own laundromat and, and garment care facility now that cleans about 20 tons of clothing a month. So in terms of throughput, it's a pretty good size, it's a good size laundry. How many turns before um, the items completely depreciate it? The average before they no longer look as good as new is about 20. So, and that's when they're being cleaned with the right cleaning techniques and they're clinically cleaner and look great and smell delicious and everything else. Better than if you bought a brand new. Yeah. It's it's important when you buy something online, if you take it out of the box, it smells good. It's part of the experience should smell clean. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, the consumer will wonder why. And there's, it's fine art to wonder why if it didn't smell good. And so we, we have to be able to turn things around quite quickly. And so after about 20 times, around 30 times, I mean, it's around that time we look to retire them. So we sell them to our customers. And we actually have a relationship with the Red Cross that even when we don't sell them, we never want to throw anything in landfill. So we donate it to yeah. the Red Cross and they repurpose it um, to people in need.
0: Well, it's interesting because, you know, with the rental market, especially with Rent rent the Runway in in the U.S., uh, a lot of people, as this movement is going towards sustainability, are very much moving towards wardrobe sharing or wardrobe renting, uh, more
2: so to limit their impact. Are you seeing that effect over here as well? Absolutely. Um, Australians throw away six tons of clothing into landfill every 10 minutes. In fact, Australians are the highest consumers of textiles per capita in the world. Um, second mm. only to the U.S., Australians throw away about 27 kilos of clothing a year per, per capita, which is a lot, um, which is, not, and, and is, is horrendous for the environment. Um, but it also is actually really reflective of it being a pretty bad deal for the end customer. If you buy something and you know you're going to throw it out within a year, mm. arguably you didn't get a lot of value out of that. Same, same thing like people who are buying a, you know, a couch or a table, they're going to hang on to it for years, and that's great value. But if you yeah. buy something you're going to throw out in a few months and it's kind of just meant to be disposable, I think that's fundamentally a bad deal. And we do see that. We we see that resonating with our customer more and more. And they realize that borrowing clothing and sharing clothing not only gets it at a better price point than if they bought it to to own forever, but they limit their impact on the environment and stops their wardrobe being crammed full of stuff they're never going to wear again. Yeah. Yeah. So we do find that. We find that drives a lot of our customers' behavior. Yes
0: on on the, the customer support or service side um, you know in the break we talked to, we mentioned a little bit about artificial intelligence and you know traditionally up till very recently it's it's more been about chatbots and things like that uh, are you finding there's adoption here in the market about stuff like that like how are you approaching artificial ai and if at all yet
2: mm.
3: on on the support side there's there's not a lot in australia yet yeah? And I think a lot of the companies that have deployed some sort of chatbot or artificial support, is it's a little bit gimmicky still. Um, mm-hmm. And I think to have a real problem solved, you still need to communicate with a real person. I mean, you know, the, the AI side's is great for getting a snippet of information quickly. So, you know, you know, if you need to find out the status of your order or, you know, where it is in transit, you know, that's the sort of thing that AI and chatbot, chatbots can do very well. But you know, if, if a product arrives with a scratched leg and you need to coordinate the return, you know, I don't think the chatbot chatbots are really there to to do that in in any sort of meaningful way just yet. Um, definitely not saying it's not going to happen because yeah. uh, you know the, the progress is is incredible. But I think for us, you know, that kind of one to one contact that we get as well on our customer support line is is very very important because you know at the end of the day, the ratio of people that contact us through our support line is relatively low so to give them that human contact there is is a, is one other touch point that's very important um, and so you know we aim internally to answer all phone calls within 20 seconds and answer emails in a, in a in a in a short period of time and then the customers know that they're talking to a real person based in our offices how detailed are you tracking that type of stuff so 20 seconds to pick up a phone, uh, you know, things like that. Oh, it's, it's all fully tracked. So every calls tracked. Which calls get answered are tracked. What time they get answered is tracked. How long the calls last for they're well, all tracked. What does that internal sales and training process look like? So, so every every new customer service agent has a pretty intensive first week. Mm-hmm. So we have a very thick PowerPoint document that, that they have to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and because our business model is fairly unique in a lot of ways, they kind of, end the first day looking fairly bleary-eyed and going, what the hell have I walked into? Mm. Um, And then the first week, they sit side-by-side with one of our existing agents, and then they essentially kind of see how all the calls are handled. Um, And once they start to feel comfortable, they'll jump on some emails, possibly some live chat, and then once they're comfortable with that, they'll start taking calls.
2: Mm. I find the same. You know what? I think it comes down to customer experience. I've noticed that too. Chatbots especially is where I've seen AI adding some value for customer support teams and, and for the end customer, especially in terms of out of hours. You know, if a customer wants to shop at 12 o'clock at night because she's a nurse or at 2 a.m. because she's on her lunch break and she's a, you know, she works the night shift, um, it'd be great to be able to offer her the same level of consistent support experience no matter what time of day she wants to get in contact with us. Mm-hmm. So I have found that chatbots especially are good for that. They come to a point where they're only so intelligent for artificial intelligence that they end up passing you on to one of their humans soon enough. That's still really good, better than it was. Um, I was really impressed, though, on the other side recently where I did experience it was interacting with someone who had um, its it's support, but it was really, it was like a support um, secretary. Um, and we must have been 12 emails in before I realized I was speaking to an That's artificially intelligent program. It was, That's it impressive. was, and it was answering all my questions and we were, it was basically just getting it organizing a time to talk but I, I just because I was disorganized as being a real difficult customer. But it handled it really well. And um, I, 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 I was a little bit embarrassed after I found out that it was, it was not a human I was dealing with because um, huh? it took me a long time to figure it out. So I was actually quite impressed. And I think it's only a matter of time before that level of support and sophistication makes its way into just generic e- customer email support. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. I had a really good experience with that particular program. Yeah. So And it got the job done.
0: So before we go into the last segment, um, why don't you guys uh, each talk about um, one, what you're most proud of in terms of the customer experience with your companies. And then one is where you think that uh, you could use improvement and you're looking into solutions to fill that hole.
2: Something I'm particularly proud of is, and we're never done with this, we've built an at-scale solution to an age-old problem for our customers where... And it was a real, uh, like a re- really striking a nerve in terms of in their lives. Too many times where they were getting very stressed out or very nervous that they had another important occasion coming up yep. and are standing in front of a wardrobe full of clothes and had nothing to wear. And it was a really difficult problem in their lives and, mm-hmm. and continuously and getting worse. Social media made that a bit harder because you definitely couldn't repeat outfits when sometimes you used to be able to get away with it. Um, and so I'm very proud that we have, for our customers, which is now in the hundreds of thousands. We've we've totally solved that problem for them. That that problem doesn't exist anymore in their lives. They they know they can always come to us, and they, they never have to have that stress. Well, traditionally
0: killing. they would go to a sibling or a friend and see if they could borrow something, right? Exactly. Last minute,
2: exactly. And that, that behavior has been around for a long time, yeah. but it would it would be limited by how many how big your friend network is, and then how many of them were your same size.
0: Are you finding that peer to peer sharing is a th- like is that a segment that's growing over here oh, yeah. in Australia as yet? Absolutely, we do if see so, that. And so, how
2: do you, yeah, how do you defend against that? Absolutely, we do see that. Um, and I think overall, that's a good thing for the sharing economy of people's wardrobes. I think it's a good thing that customers also know they can put their items that they have in their wardrobe out to share, and other mm-hmm. people can borrow. I think it's very good, very conducive for the behavior that renting clothing. is is becoming more and more mainstream. and Is that gonna be ever a part of your solution, I guess, products? Not, not at the moment. Never say never. Yeah. Not, not in our immediate priorities, mainly from a merchandising perspective. Mm-hmm. We know when we own the inventory, we can control the quality, we, can tr- we control the speed of delivery, uh, but most importantly, we control the merchandising. So we, when we know we've got best sellers and we want to guarantee our customers that we have the best product in all of the range of sizes and you can add a backup item to it um, for a very low price, you have to be able to buy the inventory yourself to be able to promise that. Not, not to say there's something wrong with a peer-to-peer model. I think it's really good, but I just think what I have seen when we do our analysis, there's a lot of stock out there, but if you're a particular customer and you find something you like, the chances of it being in your size is low. Um, and so that's tough um, when it's a purely peer-to-peer thing.
0: Now, I'm sure you're, you're following Rent the Runway pretty closely on what they're
2: Absolutely. doing in the US. Um, any, any interest in going brick and mortar? Um, it's, again, it's, it's the kind of thing that's on our radar, but it's not an immediate priority, mainly because we're having so much success and are not hitting any barriers with the purely online channel. We will definitely explore it at some stage. And, I, and mm-hmm. you know, Rent the Runway are a slam dunk example globally of someone who's nailed fashion rental at that kind of scale. And, yeah, I've heard that, I've seen they've got stores, several kind of signature stores throughout mm-hmm. the East Coast and I think in Las Vegas too. Mm-hmm. And they sound like they're very popular. Um, so never say never. It's... It, in the end, it comes down to customer experience. If there's an example where our customers say it enough to us that they, they, we know that they want it and it'll make their experience better, mm-hmm. you can only resist that for so long. It, so far, we haven't had a lot of customers asking about it, but it, you know, if we find it something that would really add value to our customers, we'd do it.
0: Yeah. yeah. So now on the other side, um, to, to kind of reel back to the original question is, uh, can you talk through maybe an aspect of the customer experience that you think you could use a little bit more attention?
2: Yeah. Oh, oh now, now I know part of your question. Yes. Um, I think, and there's, uh, the reason why I think for a while is because there's always a lot of them. It's a long list of things you know you want to improve for your customer. For me, it comes down to size and fit, similar to how making sure someone's going to get the right couch, it's the right dimensions, the right color yeah. for, their, for their living room. For us, it's a big one is size and fit, and that's a big deal for all online apparel companies, sure. but particularly for rental. Um, we always are looking for new ways we can help our customers have incrementally more success with selecting their items. Um, so when it comes to size and fit data, using more personalization engines that will help the customer in her search surface items she's more likely to have success with based on customers just like her in the past and what have they rented and had success with. And you got a lot of data points there from lack of refunds right through to high user review ratings. Mm-hmm. So we're only in the beginning stages of using those data points to craft a better experience.
0: Even cross-brand, right? Obviously. Yeah,
2: exactly. So um, if they're a
0: if there are XYZ size in this brand, then you should know how that correlates to the other one's selections exactly, on the site. Exactly.
2: Because mm-hmm. um, it's, especially when we, we talk about 200 design labels, mm-hmm. international, local, US, Europe, and all the size guides are different. Um, so we've, we've found we've got to do a lot more work to make that easier for our customer because you know, the customer just wants to have success with it. They don't want to waste any more time than they need to. We really want to make sure every box that arrives for them, when they open it, everything in it's going to fit and they're going to feel amazing. And until that's done for every customer, we're not done. So there's a long way to go. And it manifests itself in refunds, but sometimes someone might wear something where they're not totally happy. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that manifests itself, I think, customer retention and repeat frequency. Um, so we take that really seriously, and, we, and it's always getting better. But uh, I'd caveat with, you know, we're knowing you done. So, yeah, I want us to always be better at that.
0: Great. And Ayosuke, I'm going to re- re-ask the question <laughs> uh, going your way. I guess two things. So one is uh, one aspect of your customer experience that you're most particularly proud of uh, from a company standpoint. And then on the other side, just the contrary of that, some areas that you may want to be looking into solutions that could help fill that void?
3: Yep. so I think one area we're very proud of is is our ability to, to pair being an online retailer with great inspirational educational content. So I think, you know, one thing is, yes, we're an online retailer and, you know, we sell and ship product from our stores to, to our customers. However, you know, with a range of 50,000 and, you know, with home decor being a very, you know, personal thing, we want to also provide educational, inspirational content so that people can get more and more ideas about how to make their, make their home great. And, and the way we've been doing that over the past year is not only through our own channels and our own website, through our, you know, social media, our Instagram and our blogs, but we've also partnered with a lot of great influencers and interior designers in, in the Australian space and producing content in tandem with them. And this content that we produce is, it, it's not salesy at all. It's not even its not even really a sales message in it, but it's, you know, it's how to make over your bedroom, how to make over your living room, you know, how to, you know, install wall art on your wall and make it look great. Um, and that allows us to, you know, provide this educational content, which is great for our customers, but it also just gives us that continual touch point um, to, to be in front of them um, when they're not in that purchase position so you know they they might have bought a sofa six months ago they might not need to buy anything else for another six months but we want to stay stay relevant uh, and in front of them and i think that's something that we're doing more and more of and we're seeing some great results great We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to do a speed round of off-the-grid questions
0: where we ask our uh, guests a little bit more personal questions, uh, find out a little bit more about yourselves versus uh, the companies. So once we're back here on Fashion Is Your Business at Online Retailer in Sydney with Nora Network.
1: Are you interested in conversations about the crossroads of business and innovation? What if those conversations were about the largest industry in the U.S.? Hi, I'm Tom Kutzman. If you answered yes to both of those questions, then it's about time you check out Real Estate Is Your Business on the Mouth Media Network. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, realestateisyourbusiness.com. Off the Grid, which fashion is your business?
0: All right, welcome back, and uh, we're going to go right into Off the Grid questions. So I'm going to ask you both the same question. Um, I find that when uh, Aussies go and travel, they travel forever. Like, they just go. And uh, it might be, obviously, for the, it, you know, I guess uh, being that you're kind of separated uh, from the rest of the world. You you really take your time and experience when you're away. Can you kind of walk me through your ideal travel
3: environment? And I'll start with you, Yosuke. All right, I'll, I'll go first. So you're absolutely right. I am absolutely guilty of this. I've spent a lot of my life overseas. And when I do go overseas, it's for long periods. Uh, I've lived in Canada a couple of times so I've spent three years of my life in Canada. Uh, when I went traveling, i uh, been to South America twice both for three months at a time wow. um, and then you know when I go to Europe when I was younger I did a big backpacking trip there for a couple of months as well. So travel is for me it's it's just a great way to to reset and you know get a new perspective on how things in the world work because you just when you kind of get too stuck in what you're doing on a day-to-day basis you you lose sight of what other people in the world are doing and it's it's just so different and it's for me it brings me a lot of joy to be able to go to these different places spend a little bit of time there and try and find some way to get involved in what's happening in that city or that community Um, and then just try and make some new connections and you know being able to do that uh, I value highly Um, and so I'm always looking for new trips to to make in future. Dude. i don't travel anywhere enough <laughs>
2: i think a three i think a three month trip anywhere sounds amazing um, so i look forward to doing that sometime in the future yeah, are you still doing three month trips yeah it sounds amazing uh, i haven't done one for a while <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, i think i'm um i've got a really simple ask any holiday i go on that it's just quiet you know Sand between my toes, cocktails with little umbrellas in it, and a few good books. I could be anywhere doing that. You live on Bondi,
0: right? Beach? I do live in Bondi, and So I'm you, lucky still, like that. you still need to escape the sand between your toes to go find more sand. Maybe that's why your I look toes. for it. I always look for a piece of home <laughs> wherever I'm going. <laughs> but that's, yeah. So what type of people are you looking to connect with these days? And Dean, we'll stick with you.
2: Sure. I think, well, a lot of people all the time, but two focuses for us at the moment and continues to be. Um, Number one would be people in the fashion and apparel space who have a great brand um, and are targeting our type of customer. And it doesn't always have to be a big, big brand. We've actually found some of our most successful brands have been emerging labels and as we stocked them. And over the last few years, they have grown phenomenally. They've become big names. So anyone, if you know anyone in mm-hmm. those space um, who want to find more customers and introduce their brand to more customers, we'd love to meet them. Uh, and then also, if anyone knows any good engineers, you know, Australia, there's never enough software engineers and software developers in Australia. And there's, there's a real, there's always an ongoing fight for talent. You know, it could be, a, could be a cousin, could be a good, you know, it could be a brother who just built his own iOS app on his school holidays, whatever it is. Nice. We want to meet people early because we're looking for bright, kind and dedicated engineers who want to build cool stuff. And what's the best way to contact you, whether you're following your company or the things that you're doing personally? Definitely just uh, either either add me on LinkedIn, Dean Jones, or just shoot me an email, dean at glamcorner.com.au. My inbox gets pretty full as it is, so adding putting it putting my email one more time probably not going to stop that. <laughs> very good. And hey, Yosuke, what's the uh, what type of people are you looking to connect with these days?
3: Yeah, I think I'm going to echo what, what Dean has said. So at the moment, you know, our team is growing, so we're looking for some great people to to join our team. Um, and you know, we're looking for people with a diverse range of experiences that, you know, are, you know, very data driven, analytical, love their fashion and homewares, and you know, aren't afraid to to roll up their sleeves and do a bit of hard work. So. If you're in that market, please let me know. And then likewise to, to Dean, you know, our, our business depends on having great product out there. So having really good brands, really good quality product that at the end of the day, our, our customers love. So you know, if you're in that space as well, we're very open to, to identifying new ranges.
0: Good deal. And what's the best way to connect with you or the things that you're doing over at Zenui?
3: Yep. You can contact me on LinkedIn, so Yosuke Hall, or via email, yoske.hall at zenui.com.au. And how do you spell Zenui? Z-A-N-U-I. Very good. Gents, it's been an absolute pleasure.
0: Thank you both so much for uh, being on the show, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having us.
1: Cheers.
3: Cheers.
2: Cool.
1: This has been fashion is your business to suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at fashion biz show. That's fashion B I Z show episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher and Google play along with our website, fashion is produced by mouth media network, Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. This is your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening.
0: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.